0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Tanaguzzi, managing editor of Canada's Podcast. Today's guest on Calgary's podcast is Lurtis Wan, who is a Calgary based entrepreneur. Thanks uh, for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I didn't uh, describe what uh, you do because you do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go through each of the enterprises that you're involved in and, uh, and uh, maybe if you could describe them for us. Let's start with need technologies. What is that?
1: Sure. So that's the latest venture. So it's a technology company that uh, has a software for food rescue and food recovery. And that sort of um, was born from the Leftovers Foundation, which I know is on your list to chat about as well.
0: Okay. Let's talk about a Leftovers Foundation. What is that? And uh, tell me a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, so that started um, back in 2012. So it's a food rescue organization. Um, actually, Mario, I was thinking back on the, the history of Leftovers, and you were the first journalist to write not one but two stories on it. And um, cool. it certainly uh, helped with the success of the organization. Excellent. And what they do, I'm not there anymore. I just um, finished my board term. I was executive director for almost 10 years. And they're a food rescue organization. So they pick up food from uh, vendors, uh, grocery stores, retailers, and take that food to service agencies uh, that, that are in need of food. And uh, that is across three provinces now, which is kind of crazy to think because it just started with me and my car. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And tell me, uh, you know, a little bit of the history of, of that, uh, the Leftovers Foundation. What, what uh, I guess, uh, motivated you to to start something like this?
1: Certainly. Yeah, I, I sort of had an aha moment. I, I went with my cousin to go pick up um, excess bread at a at a local bakery here in Calgary. And uh, there was um, uh, a lot of it. Um, and I think when you see the sheer amount, you know, 200 pounds, 150, 200 pounds of bread, um, it's perfectly good. It was baked that morning. Uh, you really think about, you know, other stores sort of wasting or, or creating this excess, and and where can we bring it so that um, people can put food on their tables? And so mm. it started with one location, and with your help and the help of the Calgary community and volunteers, it it grew to about rescuing ten thousand pounds of food per week across three provinces.
0: Wow. That's amazing, right? Uh, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of doesn't uh, blow you away when you think about that. When you, yeah, <laughs> you the humble beginnings out of your car, right? Uh, and what what that foundation has done.
1: It really does, yeah. And I remember, you know, organizing all of these logistics on pen to paper and Excel documents. And now, you know, the charity created this app, which is now uh, Need Technology. So I'm still in the food rescue space, but more on the tech side.
0: All right. Uh, You're also involved with uh, something called Fresh Roots. So maybe describe that for me.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm the uh, CEO of Fresh Roots right now. I'm uh, a founder of that organization and it sort of came out of the Leftovers Foundation. Um, We were incubating a bunch of different projects within the food system and really trying to understand how we could get affordable food um, to, to households with dignity. And so we provide a mobile grocery store model that, uh, that we pop up in different locations around uh, Calvary and soon to be Edmonton. And we make sure that people get affordable, uh, culturally appropriate food with no proof of income. So it's a pop up grocery store.
0: Oh, excellent! Okay, then. Um, while we're in kind of the wellness area, and uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about soma uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, help me if I pronounce it wrong, but soma haman.
1: Yeah, that's perfect.
0: And spa. And uh, yeah. When did you start that? And tell me a little bit about what soma is.
1: Certainly, that's been so. That is a a, a traditional spa. So we started back in two thousand and ten lots of different roller coaster rides that company's been on throughout the years and then through COVID uh, service-based industry. Um, but we sort of landed a spot uh, within the Marriott hotel and have sort of upcoming partnerships in other Marriott hotels. Uh, and it's a traditional uh, spa that's uh, made for uh, hotel clientele.
0: And how did you get into doing this?
1: You know, I was, um, I think back on of all the hats I, I, have worn and, and continue to wear. But I'm actually a certified medical aesthetician. So I can do things like laser and peels. And it was sort of a job that put me through my undergraduate and my master's degree. And, um and so I started a spa that I thought would be based on some of these medical aesthetic things. But it turns out we sort of did a 180 with the company and um, our self care sort of uh, philosophy is more uh, time based and and more based on you know doing treatments that are that are more natural. So we don't do any of the medical aesthetic stuff anymore, but we certainly advocate for people taking the time uh, for themselves.
0: Okay, and uh, let's uh, move on to uh, from from spas to real estate. And oh, I forgot <laughs> and, about that and, one. And then you're involved in uh, Hive Developments. Tell me uh, what that uh, uh, you know what that development company does.
1: Yeah, so that I like to describe as my first um, child. So that was my first company, I have a master's degree in environmental design. So my professional background is in urban planning. And, uh, and so that company takes on community consultation work, urban planning, and urban design.
0: Hmm. Okay then. What got you? Uh, you mentioned uh, your masters uh, at U of C. Uh, what got you involved in, in in that area? Like, what was the appeal uh, for urban mm-hmm. planning?
1: You know, I thought I was going to be an architect. My dad is a uh, was an engineer. I thought, um, you know, I I really love architecture and design. And uh, once I started to really understand. Um, sort of urban planning and and really that that sort of architecture, but on a, a wider, uh, sort of more broader basis, uh, when we're designing cities, instead of designing buildings, um, that sort of piqued my interest of, you know, how a city can take on a certain personality, Calgary has a, a personality, you know, that's different from New York and, and, uh, and Los Angeles and, and Manila. And so how can we really you know, how have we built these cities and all the nuances that go into uh, urban planning. And and that's certainly uh, still my uh, one of my first um, my first passions and my first loves.
0: All right. Now, somebody listening to all this, uh, Lourdes is going to wonder, how the heck does this woman do all of this? <laughs> uh, so. D- answer that how do you do that well
1: you know i (laughs) want to be really cheeky and say i i don't i'm not by myself that's uh for sure yeah um i'm also a new mom i have a a two-year-old son and so throwing that into the mix and i definitely don't do it all um (laughs) You know the the I, I sort of have started one company and one kind of falls off my plate, and so I want to build these ventures, uh, particularly on the social venture side, yeah. um, to ensure that you know there's a good succession plan and and that you know it can be taken on by by someone else and and the vision sort of lives on. Um, but I have really great teams that surround each organization, you know, from the spa to development consulting uh, yeah. to food system work, and so. It certainly takes a village, and that's what I will attribute it to.
0: And let's talk about that, uh, it takes a village. A lot of uh, your work uh, involves community. Uh, t- tell me why uh, community is so important to you.
1: Yeah, you know, growing up, I think um, we lived sort of, our family sort of lived by this motto. Um, and it's a, a, a famous quote from uh, from a a long time ago and and it goes something like this the um you know you'll only pass through this world but once if there's any good that that i can do or any kindness that i can show let me do it now because i might not pass this way again and my grandfather was a lawyer in the philippines and he wrote that inscribed that quote into one of his legal um notebooks and we found it after he passed and and so it's sort of been this sort of theme i guess um passed on but through generations and my parents immigrated here to Canada from the Philippines when they were fairly young and met in Edmonton Alberta and and so we always sort of had this sense of it takes a village to raise a family and have young children and and sort of push for for a career and and put food on the table and so sort of this idea of community uh, you know not in the sort of food security sense but this sense of community has certainly always been um Around my family, and I've sort of taken that and, and put it into food systems work and, and entrepreneurialism.
0: So, if, in terms of uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, Lourdes, uh, did you have any like mentors along the way? Did you, uh, whether they be actual, uh, you know, people that you knew, uh, or even uh, people that you you saw, you know, out there that were uh, yeah. examples of, uh, of what you should do.
1: You know, in every field, um, uh, I, I I can say I've I've had a mentor. Um, whether it's sort of general entrepreneurialism or from uh, the development world in urban planning and architecture, I think it was always important for me to to learn. And and for me, I learn by being really hands on, and that means asking a lot of questions and being yeah. really devoted to my work. And so, um, I've certainly have had mentors in in every field that I've interacted with. Um, and you know, recently I think there's been a lot of mentors that, that look like me that maybe I haven't met yet, but certainly I'm able to, um, watch as an, as an example. And so that's been really helpful because when I started this journey, you know, 12 years ago, yeah. there was not a lot of people, um, in, in Calgary in particular that I could really, uh, relate to. And so, and now there's, there's so many groups, there's so many, um, organizations that that are there to support. And, and I found that that's been a really great uh, support system for me.
0: When you look at uh, being an entrepreneur here in Calgary, um, what would you say the biggest uh, bonuses or biggest positives are of being an entrepreneur in this city?
1: You know, Calgarians, I find, so I was born in St. Albert, but don't tell anybody, I moved to Calgary when I was two months old. So I just pretend that I'm a Calgarian. Um, But I I think Calgarians really like to try new things. And I think that's important. If you're a budding entrepreneur, that you have a community that supports you, whether it's, you know, giving advice, or if it's um, being a consumer of your product. Um, And the Calgary community has always been there to support whether that's food rescue or a, a you know a new spa or um you know developers wanting to to engage communities and do something do something different i think mm-hmm. there's sort of this openness and sort of um entrepreneurialism within calgarians whether they are or not um that that has carried me through certainly
0: so when uh when you look at um uh, the entrepreneurial journey uh what would you say your biggest challenges have been that uh, uh, and maybe still are?
1: You know, at, at first it was really, you know, around, you know, having to do with with those mentors that really were relatable. Um, but that's that's changed now. But certainly that that was a, a big hurdle. I think, I think the other hurdle is sort of self-inflicted that I don't come from a business background <laughs> at all, um, and so learning uh, the lingo, whether it's sort of on the you know fi- accounting finance side or you know learning the the new tech lingo, um, it's all it's all new and it's all uh, new experiences for me. So I think that hurdle is is sort of self-inflicted. I I have thought about going back and and getting my MBA, but. I can't imagine going back to school and having a two-year-old, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't imagine at all without even a two-year-old. <laughs> so, if uh, if you had um, a protege and you if you were a, a mentor to somebody uh, that was younger, uh, what advice would you give them about being an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say um, it's important to include your customers in your uh, in your plan, and I you know I'm a real advocate for that uh, not only on the social on on the entrepreneurial side, sort of like the traditional business side is to always you know kind of to do customer acquisition, you need to talk to your customers, but also from the uh, on the social impact side. we have to uh, you know have the tools to engage communities properly to bring them on on the journey that that um, will kind of put society in a better position. And we cannot um, do this work without them. I think traditionally what we've done is um, you know, told vulnerable communities or, or marginalized folks you know, how they should live, what they should eat, how, what they should buy, um, what they should spend their money on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if we kind of reverse that and, and really think about how we can include communities in the discussion, um, of of what a future could look like for them, I, I think that um that would be really beneficial for for everybody.
0: Okay, so you've done a lot of things. Um, when you were growing up, what did you want to be?
1: Oh my goodness, um, <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, I still do uh, want to be a, a food critic on some type of. Uh, um, food TV show, I would watch food TV with my dad, and and we would watch like Iron Chef with my sisters and, you know, pretend that we were Iron Chefs ourselves. Um, Turns out I'm a terrible cook. Uh, My sister took all of that talent uh, for herself. And so I I am still learning, but that would sort of be like my ultimate if I could just eat food all day and uh, comment on it.
0: (laughs) Any type, any favorites?
1: Oh, well, I I like to call myself a pasta-holic. So I love Italian food. I, I love anything in noodle form, actually. Mm. Um, but I am Filipino. And so I do love Filipino food, even though it's a lot of meat. Um, but there's, you know, I, I love trying new things. Uh, and I think that's the beauty about food is that there's so many nuance in, in taste.
0: Now... Now, uh, you mentioned, uh, obviously, earlier in the episode here that, uh, you know, we have a history together that uh, goes back uh, quite a long time. But I you know and I'm getting older, so my memory fades. But <laughs> did you not tell, you told me once that you were also involved in, the, in beauty pageants, right?
1: Oh, my goodness. Did I tell you that? Yes, you did. <laughs> or did you run into my mom? Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. Tell us um, a little bit about that. <laughs>
1: Uh, years and years and decades and a lifetime ago, um, I held, uh, some, uh, pageant crowns for, uh, both locally, nationally and internationally. I competed, um, in beauty pageants, which sounds so archaic, but I did it. (laughs) And, um, I still, one of my guilty pleasures is, is watching this universe. Um,
0: There you go. And what What were these pageants?
1: So I, I competed in Miss Philippines uh, Calgary and I won that and then I competed for Miss Philippines Canada and uh, got first place uh, and then I competed in uh, what was it called Miss Global and I, I won that category. Wow. Uh, long time ago, Mario, I never talk about it. <laughs> It's a secret. <laughs>
0: So let me ask, you know, you, you know with your busy schedule and, as you said, a, a young child, what, what do you do to, to relax?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I advocate for taking time to yourself. And so I certainly do that at the beginning and at the end of each day, just alone time, either journaling or um, reading or just taking some, some quiet time. Um, I, I love binging shows. I'm uh, very normal in that way, um, and so I I binge a bunch of silly reality shows. Um, and I, I love spending time with with my family. Um, I am very very close with my sisters. We live blocks from each other in a community called Bridgeland here in in Calgary, and um, I love spending time with them. So I think that you know you have to you know make sure that your cup is full before you start to to give to others.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's it's tough, though, for you know, because you're always being an entrepreneur, every entrepreneur that I know of, it's almost 24-7 that they're on the job, right? Yeah. Or, or thinking about it, right, in some fashion. So uh, I, I guess that it's important to to make sure you take that time to yourself, right?
1: Yeah, and I think you have to be like, for me, anyways, I have to actively be cognizant of not you know, around my family, wanting to talk about business or wanting to talk about the things that I'm working on, because no yeah. one cares, you know, like we, we have to connect um, with each other on on a personal level. And so uh, but with working, like you said, 24 hours, it's hard to kind of turn that off. So it's something that I'll continue to work on for sure.
0: Uh, besides binge watching uh, TV, <laughs> what well, do you have uh, any passions, any uh, hobbies or interests?
1: Yeah, you know, I um I recently inherited my the piano that we grew up uh, playing, oh. and I'm not very good, but um, I'm starting to to tinker a little bit on the on the piano, and um, it's one of those things I think uh, for me, anyways, that I have to actively try to have a hobby. Um, it's something that my husband makes fun of me all the time that I have no hobbies, and so I turn my hobbies into businesses, I guess, which I need to stop doing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is there anything that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Everybody talks about a bucket list, right? Okay. Oh
1: my goodness, there's so what many. The
0: what would be so many top? things?
1: You know, I really I want to travel a bit more, um, and so I think with the tech company, I, I'm able to to do that. But there's so much of the world that that I want to see, and I want my son to see. So that's certainly at the top of my list. Uh, I turn forty next year, and so I'm hoping to make my fortieth birthday. Make sure I'm on a beach somewhere in Greece. <laughs> um, so there's certainly that that aspect of it, and and of course, uh, with the entrepreneurial brain, I have um, maybe about a hundred different ideas of different companies that I want to launch. So that'll be a uh, further in my career.
0: So where do you think that came from? Like uh, you know, you say your entrepreneurial brain. Where where do you think? Uh you know, the foundation of that is?
1: Yeah, certainly with my with my dad. Um, he recently passed away in September. And so I've been reflecting a lot about, um, uh, you know, how he raised us. And and like I said, he was a, an engineer, um, but a very specific um, field that he worked in. So he worked on uh, metallurgic failures. So failures for um, uh, mechanical systems and, and different metals and so he had sort of like the ultimate problem solving hat and he because he knew he would research and, and sort of figure out mathematically um you know why things failed and so because of that you know that my sisters and i kind of always understood how things worked yeah and i think i i will always have that problem solving hat it's sort of like a a legacy piece that i want to to make sure that i you know a skill that i that i really try to hone um For for him and and for my career. Um, But certainly I think it sort of started there and I've just taken it into different areas of my
0: life. So uh, uh, growing up as a kid what do you think the key lessons were that you learned from your parents?
1: Yeah you know I think um, I learned work ethic from my mom. Um, She worked three jobs um, to make sure to put food on our table. My dad went back to school when we were little kids um, which you know seems unfathomable to me now. But you know, they had three little kids and he was doing his um his engineering degree at, at the U of C. And so my mom had to work long hours and and you know, for night shifts at the hospital and um day shifts at a grocery store. And so I know that um my work ethic or or my propensity to not stop working certainly comes from her. Um, I, I, I do get my entrepreneurialism from my dad. He, uh, you know, started his own engineering company, and and sort of he did his time working at different firms and and making sure he had mentors. Um, so it was sort of another uh, big value and, and big piece of of how I grew up. And you know, I, I remember always like being at my cousin's house or being with my grandparents, and and really being surrounded by a family. And you know, if you are not close with your family you know, really being surrounded by a community. And I think that's important to not only problem solve, but, you know, for, for mental health and, and to be around the, the people that really lift you up and, and really support you.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, thank you uh, very much, uh, Lourdes for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. That was fun.
0: All right, that was uh, Lurtis Juan, who is a Calgary-based uh, entrepreneur. I'm Mario Tonaguzzi, Managing Editor of Canada's Podcast. This has been Ca- Calgary's Podcast. Thanks for joining us today.